Welcome to Hallway Conversations with Matt and Dave. We've both been teaching for quite a while now, but we still have plenty of questions about education. And this podcast is our place for thinking out loud together about topics that we think are important for Christian educators to consider. Welcome to the conversation. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. I'm Dave Mulder. I'm Matt Beamers. Uh, Thank you so much for your willingness to join us for these conversations. Uh, The whole idea for this podcast is Matt and I often are uh, having conversations out in the hallway outside of our offices, and uh, we just want to invite you all in. And I hope that this uh, gives you some opportunity for reflection and for your own professional development. Hopefully it sparks some hallway conversations of your own. Today I am bringing the question to Dave, and so to kick this off, Dave, the question for you today is... um, how do you teach for delight? And to give a context for this question, I've had the opportunity, the privilege, I would say, of watching um, Dave teach. And it has struck me so often when I'm in his classes that um, not only does he delight in his students, um, but he delights in his teaching and he, and he teaches for delight. And so, Dave, I'm just wondering if you can share a little bit about that idea of, yeah, how do you teach for delight? That's very kind of you, Matt. I appreciate you saying that. But, um, it's something that I, I take pretty seriously, I guess. I, I want my students to, well, okay, but I'll tell you a story. Yeah. Um, many moons ago when I was a middle school teacher. <laughs> many moons ago. <laughs> some, some good stories start yeah. this way, right? Um, so many moons ago, I was a middle school teacher, and I had the joy and pain of supervising a seventh grade study hall. And this was a regular and normal uh, part of my week. And uh, there was one particular day in study hall, the kids clearly were not there to work. And I just decided to roll with it. And um, said, so what do you guys want to talk about? And one of the kids led off with, so why is school like prison? And I thought, oh boy, well, okay, let's talk about that then. What, what do you mean? And boy, the kids had a whole list, right? It seems like all we're doing is marching to other people's orders. Adults are telling us what we need to do all day long. They tell us when to eat. They tell us when we can go to the bathroom. Um, and, and it just feels like we don't have a voice in anything. I thought, wow, that, hmm. If that is the, the truth for kids, like we need to think about that. Uh, and, and what does that mean? Like, can, can we break out of that? Yeah, and it actually, there's a bit of me that I let I smile as you tell that story. And there's a, to be honest, there's, to be honest, there's a part of that saddens me. Yeah. Um, because as you're saying that, there's a truth to it. Well, right. There's right. a truth to it, right? You're, you're, we're literally moving students from room to room. We're telling them when they can get up, when they can sit down. And um, that doesn't sound delightful no, at no. all to me. Well, so in response to that, I guess, that, that conversation prompted for me, that started me on a path towards this idea. When yeah. you say I, you, you've observed me doing this, well, it's something I've been practicing for a while, yeah. too, in my teaching. Like, how, how can I bring in a sense of joy and mm-hmm. anticipation and surprise? Yeah. Um, and, like, if, if all students are experiencing is some kind of drudgery well that that's a shame and it is a form of education but it feels like kind of a dull and lifeless education yeah it makes me think of a good friend of mine danny above his door and on his office he has the phrase choose joy and i remember when i first saw that i wondered about that like you know choose joy like we're supposed to be joyful right like Mm -hmm. but there are days we're not joyful or or we're not delightful our school isn't delightful right and and it makes me realize, right, this idea of um, choosing joy, like um, choosing delight. And, and it makes me wonder, like as teachers, right, how do we invite students in to choose mm-hmm. delight when they don't feel that 
they're they're delighted to be there or that anybody's delighting in them and, right. and, and to offer it as an invitation to say yeah. um hey i invite you to delight in your learning i'm going to give you an oppor- opportunity um to, to do that so so two things i guess dave and these are both big questions um i noticed when you were talking about when your initial story you use the phrase "just went with it," yeah, <laughs> and and you also talked about how you that force should become more intentional, sort of in planning for it. And so, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to I'm wrestling, and I wrestle with this as a teacher myself. This idea of when do you go with it? Oh, you know, yeah. when do you follow the spirit's yeah. leading, and when do you and how do you plan for it? Actually, maybe like right. how do you take that into consideration? Because I'm thinking of of our friend Daryl who often has this phrase, it's something like, you know, plan tight, hang loose, or, you know, this idea of, yeah, you got to plan tight. And, and so I'm just wondering, how do you discern that? Like, how do you plan for it? And are there times you do follow the spirits leading and and you you just go for it, as you said? So actually, (laughs) this feels serendipitous, but let me share the story from class this morning. I'm I'm teaching our K-12 STEM methods course. It's a small class. I've only got five students. It's it's a dream, right? Yeah. These are students who are highly motivated. They want to be there. Um, and so I do plan, and I have structure for the class. But because I've gotten to know these students well, and I trust them, and they trust me, um, we often, it, it runs like a seminar, right? And I recognize in K-12 classrooms that it doesn't always go that way. Because when you've got 25 kids in the class, and they have to be there, it's a different kind of scenario. So I just mm-hmm. want to name that. Um, but okay, so for today's discussion, we'd read a chapter from our text and I just give them prompts, um, three, three questions. Every time we read, we're going to start our mm-hmm. class meeting with a conversation. Um, so what surprised you, uh, what was affirmed for you and what questions do you have? Right. And those are my three questions mm-hmm. in response to the reading. And we wound up talking for 50 minutes just on this chapter mm-hmm. and not every class meeting goes that way, yeah. obviously. Um, but here's where this feels so serendipitous because, okay, I'm talking about this. Um, for me, planning for that course, I had a lecture prepared, um, but I was willing to let go of that lecture for today because mm-hmm. after I was planning, we'd have about a 15-minute conversation, and it wound up being a 50-minute conversation mm-hmm. instead, right? Um, but the kinds of things they were bringing up were the sort of things that I probably would have lectured on anyway, frankly. Mm-hmm. And and again, recognizing the context, right? This this yeah. is that, that group of students. Um, but we're, what we ended up talking about was this um, this tension that we maybe feel when we're planning for instruction, um, where yet yeah, we have to have structure. We we have to have structure, but also can we welcome in some spontaneity? Yeah. And and how do you hold those in tension, right? Like should we should we overemphasize structure? Well, sometimes because of the chemistry of the group in your class, you're going to need to have more structure. Yeah. Should we emphasize the spontaneity? Well, students should have moments of delight and joy in their learning. Yeah. And when we can be spontaneous, that often brings that up. It, no, it does. It makes me go back to something we discussed about actually in our in our first episode, this idea of learning targets. Yeah. And like, what's the learning target? Yeah. And to be open to the possibility that students might present to you um, a different way of getting to the learning target than you planned. That's right. 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 Exactly. Is like to say, no, like we're going this way. And, uh, you know, like for, for you, you had your lecture plan and it's interesting. You said, I probably would have hit those things right. in my lecture. I, yep. I, they gave me an opportunity to hit the learning targets in a totally different way. That's right. Than, than what I, than what I thought. And I, and I guess that's what I'm thinking about this idea of like, 
plan tight, know the learning targets. I know I have an idea of where, or not an idea, I know where we need to get. And yet, is it possible that the way you're going to get there is going to be in a radically different way than what you planned? And and can you live in that tension, so to speak? Right, right. Well, and because it feels that way sometimes, right? Yeah. Like, And I felt that moment where... Okay, I have a decision to make here, yeah. right? And we're about 15 minutes in, and I can see how engaged they are in this right. conversation. And, okay, I'm going to let go of my lesson plan for today. Yeah, there's a few things we're going to have to catch up next time we meet. Yeah. Yes, there are. Absolutely. But, okay, the trade-off of that. Okay, so maybe we could think of it this way, right? We, when we talk about planning and, and the structure of a class, we got to have some structure. Yeah. Students need to feel safe. Right. I, I don't think they need to feel comfortable, but they need to feel safe. Yeah. And so that way we can, you know, prompt them with a little discomfort where they have to grow and change too, yeah. right? But at the same time, to have that kind of engagement in that safe space, that's mm. where bringing in that spontaneity and, and being willing to, to just run with it sometimes. Yeah. Not every day. You can't do that every day. No, right? no, and you can't do it every day. And this this is where you know, you and me think very highly of David I. Smith. And for any of listeners who have not done any reading um, by David I., David Smith, um, I really encourage you to. And yes. um, he has done some fantastic um, writing that I won't do justice off the top of my head about gardens of delight. Mm. Yes. And, yes. And one of the things that, if I recall right, and if I'm getting this wrong... Uh, David, I apologize, but <laughs> but one of the things I recall as he talked about gardens of delight is like as our classrooms of garden of delight, he talks about the structure in the garden. Mm-hmm. Like it's not mm-hmm. chaos in the garden; it's actually their structure in the garden. And he says the the delight. I believe what he talks about, or one of the things he talks about is is the delight is found in. Um, people being in right relationship, right? Mm-hmm. If you think about the structure, there's a right relationship with God. There's a right relationship with yeah. others. There's a right relationship with God's creation. And actually, there's a right relationship with, with themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so even thinking about that, um, you know, like how do we help students delight in their learning? How to help? How do we help them also delight in those other relationships around them? And and I think actually it's within the structure that actually allows for delight to happen. And, right. and that's not to say to be that you can't be loose about it. No. no. Um, but I think that there's a there's a safety and there's a safety for students, mm-hmm. um, even if it gets uncomfortable. Right. Um, that there's sort of there's a structure to this class that it's been planned and it allows them to to delight with each other in their relationships and del- and delight in their learning. So. I was just I was just thinking about that as you're talking about our classrooms as gardens of delight, not just in their learning, but in in their relationships. Mm-hmm. And as I hear you saying that, I'm suddenly thinking to um, so I teach our elementary science methods course, and I've got a storyline for that class. Uh, uh, the course storyline is we wonder and we wonder, hmm. and the, the sense it. of wonder in like hmm, I wonder if, yeah. but also like oh, wow, I'm yeah. in awe and yeah. wonder, right? And so that that sense of both of those, and I think that's another way maybe of saying what we're what we're actually thinking about together here today, right? Like I want students to have those moments where they're noticing things and really yeah, thinking yeah. deeply and, and wondering yeah. why is it that way. But I also want them to have those moments where they just stand in awe and delight yeah. and say, wow, yeah. wow, what a wonder. The, as you're talking, I'm smiling as I'm talking right now because um, I had the privilege of being an elementary school principal and it was an unbelievable privilege. Yeah. And... 
you know, you have those days as as a teacher, as a principal, where all is not as it should be. <laughs> like, it's just you're having a day, you're having a time of it. And when I was having a time of it, I would often um, walk over to the kindergarten classroom. Mm-hmm. And there's there's nothing like hanging out with a bunch of five or six-year-olds and older kids. I'm sure this is true in most classrooms. For me, the kindergarten classroom is near my office. And to listen to them just the joy in their learning. Like, mm-hmm. A, they're working super hard. Like, I, I actually think, how hard is it to be a five or six-year-old to have to learn to read and write for the oh, first yeah. time? And yet, in the rigor of that, of their hard work, the delight and joy of learning a letter or of spelling a word um, or any of that. And, th- and that was always good for my soul. I, I used to have a piece of paper in my office, a quote by Anne Lamont, that was sort of about um, basically, you know, walk, or, walk around with a, a small child and, and listen to them point out, you know, the wonder of a slug or of a falling leaf or the moon or, or the garden or the, like they just notice everything and, and they delight in it. And when, and when you do that, pretty soon when they're not there, you notice the same things. I grew up on the West Coast and my dad, no matter where we were driving, he'd always point out Mount Baker, beautiful mountain in in the Pacific Northwest. And every time we, everywhere we went, look at Mount Baker, look at Mount Baker, look at the sun on Mount Baker, look at the clouds on Mount Baker. And, and I did that all the time when my kids were younger without my dad. Like it was always like noticing and wondering. And it makes me think, as you're talking, Dave, one of the reasons or one of the things I, I, I want to ask you about is how much of um, delighting, you know, teaching for delight is demonstrating delight yourself. Oh, yeah. Dave, my, my question is in telling that, you know, in thinking about Anne Lamont and thinking about my dad pointing out Mount Baker, uh, I'm just wondering about this idea of like, then is part of teaching for delight modeling delight? Yes, totally. I, I completely agree with you on that. And in fact, I had somebody who observed in my classroom before uh, say to me that I, they feel like I embody Westminster Confession day, day one. Okay, that, one right? that totally makes sense to me well, as soon as you say that. So if you're not familiar, it's the, the question is, uh, what is the chief end of mankind? And the answer is to know and love God and enjoy him forever, yeah. right? Beautiful. And I thought that was the highest compliment that I could yeah. be given, right? That So I'm trying to live that out in my classroom yeah. on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. I love what I get to do. Yeah. I love opening students' eyes to mm. whatever the topic is. Yeah. If there's ways that I can play a role in shaping how they're going to yeah. be in this world, that's delightful for me. Yeah, right. No, I think about that. Um, yeah, like I just think even about the important, so modeling the delight but then even naming and maybe explicitly for our students that we delight in them, mm-hmm. that they are delightful. Yeah. And then even more than that, um, for, for them to know um, how, much, how much more than God delights in them, right? right? That he, um, he finds them delightful. And, and maybe even for, those, for all of us, but maybe especially for those students that struggle, that they are worthy of mm-hmm. his, that mm-hmm. they are worthy of, of his delight. Well, and we have an opportunity, right, uh, the, to to be Christ to our students. And that sounds like that's a pretty heavy responsibility, yeah. right? Yeah. But so that they know who Christ is, well, how are they going to know that? We're, we're going to embody a sense of that, right? Yeah. yeah, and I think that, and I think, and I think that's where coming back to the planning for delight is, is this idea of like, hey, is one of our starting points, like, who are these students as children mm. made in the image, children made in the image of God, right? Yeah. Like, 
and and I have to be careful with this because I, I know, like, I will use quite often this the phrase, you know, like making sure our students aren't just brains on a stick. Mm-hmm. And yet, do I? But do I educate for them? Do I educate them as brains on a stick? Right. So even, even you know, to to do that with integrity to say this is what this is what I believe, but this is what my practice. This idea of like, do the do the audio and the video align, so to speak? Right. right. Well, and so I'm thinking then, as you say that about the opportunities to, that we have, can we plan for moments? That, I mean, the students won't know how, whether it feels maybe serendipitous to them, but maybe that's part of our planning. How can we bring in those moments of joy and wonder and surprise? And I, okay, I was a science teacher for a lot of years and there's, it's easy in the sciences, right? There's all kinds of wonderful phenomena where you can show students, demonstrate something for students and they have that moment of, wow, that was weird. I didn't expect that to happen. Now they've got this cognitive dissonance and they have a, a need to know. They need to know an answer because what they thought was going to happen and didn't happen and uh, there was a resource I, I used to, I think the website's defunct now but it was it was called Wellmers yeah. uh, Wellmers and this whole idea is we don't need to overwhelm our students <laughs> but we should whelm them yeah. once in a while yeah, right? I love like, it. and I so love they have it. those moments of wow that was weird um, what does that mean now yeah yeah, yeah to cat to to surprise them in their learning yeah right to and the, it makes me also then in doing that I, I'm making a connection then Dave between delight and curiosity yeah. Right, like to to maybe for us to re, to remember as teachers that maybe part of part of teaching we spend a lot of time helping students find the right answer, mm-hmm. and it makes me think of part of delight is how do we how do we help them to ask the right question? Right, that that that's as important as as finding the finding the answer. That's beautiful, folks. We want to thank you for joining us today on um, hallway conversations with Dave and Matt. Uh, We know your time is valuable. We hope this finds you doing well and that you have a wonderful week. Thanks, everybody. This podcast was quite literally dreamed up by Matt and Dave during one of their Hallway Conversations. Our music was created by Ethan Mulder. Hallway Conversations is an independent podcast created and produced by Dave Mulder and Matt Beamers. Thanks for listening. 